Hey, this is Ra Spoon. These are my thoughts and stories from my blog. Enjoy! I know of a couple people who have asked me, why is it okay to bring Christian culture in the form of evangelism to already well-established tribes and cultures and countries that already have their culture and ways and religion set up? So I thought I'd ask those who live in those types of cultures. So a few years ago, I went on a trip to Ethiopia with my dad and a mission that he goes with every year. And I interviewed some people. And the first person I interviewed was the leader, the, the national leader of this missions organization. And I asked him some of these hard questions. Check it out. I have a friend who says, why does Christianity go into regions and push itself into those countries and those places who already have established religions with established um, routines um, that work fine, that they've survived on for thousands of years, why bring a new religion into a place that potentially causes a lot of violence between each other and may take away the original culture? Uh, as a Christian, we believe the Bible, and the Bible tells us that uh, the only religion that will save people is uh, believing in Christ. And uh, uh, we have seen that believing in Christ is um, bringing new life, changing lives, lives that were miserable, lives that, that's um, uh, addicted to mm. drugs, and uh, the gospel is bringing peace and, uh, and uh, uh, stability for community. And uh, I can tell you, I mean, when you uh, see the world, we have many uh, crimes, war, and uh, those religions who believe that they have this religion for millions of years are doing committing crimes. Mm. And there is so much trouble, so much uh, terrorism. So we are taking the gospel to these villages, mm. these countries that brings peace and stability. Any religion we have seen in the world didn't bring any peace. Mm. Mm. The gospel is bringing peace. We have seen actually in our region, in our country, when we take the gospel to people who were killing each other, they became peaceful. Wow. They became, uh, 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 I mean, uh, good people who could help others. So the gospel brings peace and uh, stability. Do you have some specific stories? Yes, yes. Um, uh, we had um, uh, in the Jeldu area, Jeldu, G-I-R-D-O. The Jeldu area, uh, the people were killing each other. And the government was not even to handle, able to handle the situation. And we brought the gospel to this area. And now this area is the peaceful and uh, 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 peaceful and uh, st stable 
people and community. We have established uh, a peaceful and stable community in this area. What are the specific areas that it's more peaceful? Is it interpersonal crime? Is it corruption of the government? Is it um, more water, electricity, government? Yeah. Uh, we have we have brought water, electricity, uh, and uh, we have brought hulls, hulls. I mean uh, medical medical treatments. Okay. Health. Uh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> And yeah. we have uh, we have seen the, the community love one another, interpersonal uh, connection, so that more development. Mm. When there is corruption, when there is uh, killing one another, there is no sustainability. There is no stability. So when we bring the gospel, the people can interact together, they can work together, they think developing their community mm. together. Mm. So what about Christianity makes this happen? Christianity makes things happen because it is uh, a life that thinks about people. It's not about uh, uh, thinking about self. Uh, I mean, it's not about self-centered. Mm -hmm. It is Christianity is about others, living for others, working for others, mm -hmm. sacrificing yourself for others. Mm -hmm. Then. I got to talk to one of the American leaders who works with the national leaders about what she had seen. And here she'll tell you how what she saw was the old way of doing things when Christianity and the ethics that Christianity required of the people and the missionaries, how it helped the people climb out of a bad situation into a good one. What I noticed was, noticed very quickly, was that um, the women were really treated as really low citizens. I also watched that the women were doing all the labor. We, You can go out here and you see women carrying a, on their back sticks weighing about 50 to 75 pounds. And they were the ones lugging the water. They were getting the wood on their backs to build the homes. They were getting the firewood. They were caring for the children. They were doing all the cooking. And the men were just sitting around the town. And many cases in the villages that you go out to, sitting around the town, getting drunk. And I watched that, and then you see the children, and they were disrespected. And you watch that, and it began to really just break my heart. And so I went to some of the Ethiopians and I just asked them, who are your most desperate? Who would be the lowest rung on the human list in this? And they said the widows. The widows and probably the orphans, because there's so many. And I said, okay, okay. And uh, we, again, didn't want to pass out money. So we began, we collected 12 widows around us. And we began to interview them. And the majority of them I want to get my facts straight. I believe that they were earning maybe two US dollars a week. And so give you an example on that. So eight to 11 US dollars a month is what they would earn. 
if you go in the marketplace out here to buy a skirt is 15 US dollars. So they were wearing tattered clothing, there was holes in it, they were layering all these different things, uh, just trying to even keep warm, and okay? So their, their money was really low. Well, that's even less than the World Bank Poverty Index of $1.25 a day. Okay. Yeah, and so I'm like, wow, these guys are below poor. They are the ultra poor. Mm. And so what can we do to begin to shift this and, and change things? So we began to bring, you know, kind of just get to know them, you know, interviewed them. Uh, we have really big data sheets. We, we find out, um, you know, how, how do they cook in their homes? How many meals do they have a day? What are they eating every day? Uh, do they have bathrooms, latrines in their home? And interesting enough, I would say that 70% do not even have a bathroom hole attached to their homes. They're just going out in the fields and defecating all over the place. And in one of the homes, which is a side note, they were planting onions and they were going poop and pee in the same place they were planting their onions. Oh, wow. So you can imagine the sickness that is getting repeated through this society. So uh, we selected 12 orphans, we interviewed them, we found out all about their lives, we went in and visited every single one of their homes and to see if they, the Ethiopians said to me, if they were poor enough. Uh, first trip out, went into one of the homes and uh, I was devastated. I mean, it, I, I was devastated. And we went into a widow's home, and we all came, three widows home that night, and we came back, and they said to me, Linda, this widow over here, we can't, Abaru was her name, because we can't sponsor her. And I go, well, why? And they said, because she's too rich. And I'm like, she's too rich? And, you know, mud floors, mud walls, she might have had a few dishes in her house in little Chinese cups and some Tupperware things they were using as dinner plates. There was five people sleeping in a single bed. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Newspaper was on the wall to keep the wind from, you know, rattling the place to death. And the conversation was that, uh, Hello? did you not see the... We're doing a quick interview. Um, I'm sorry. Okay. I was told to go in here. Okay. This is widow orphan stuff. Yeah. A lot of prenatal things. Ooh, beautiful. Uh, we want to leave with you versus yeah. Bekla. Yeah, beautiful. And some PP things and candy. Anything you want to bring in. Okay. Um, so was, they said, did you not see that um, there was a bag of coal? The bag of coal was like this, this little bag of coal. And did you not see she had two chickens? She has a way to live. I began sobbing. And I couldn't even lift myself up off the floor. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. So the next morning I had a team, and I go, I can't even visit this, these women. If I have to make decisions about their grants that we're going to give them, I can't see them because I'll just give it all away. So they had their sheets. They went and did the interviews. They showed back up in the building here. It was a man and a woman. And they walked in, and the man came in and says, then I have a beef with you. And I went, oh, great. What happened out there? And I'm like, I and he just, <laughs> like that, this man, sobbing. And then this woman came in, and she just looked at me, and she just fell in my arms, sobbing hysterically, because they'd been in these widows' homes. And they go, you can't, you've got to sponsor them. 
and just mm -hmm. the devastation that they see. So what we did is we interviewed them, we had them uh, fill out a business plan, we walked them through, they had to get the prices on everything, hysterical moment, the pastors, the widow, translators, me sitting there, they were all arguing with each other, fighting with each other on how much this widow should be. And so at that point I had to play hardball and I go, well, you know, she, we can't sponsor her for these reasons. And they'd argue, you know, and uh, like for these reasons, one of our widows had a college education. And I'm like, she's got a college education. And she was given a job by the government and declined it. And why she had declined it is because it meant her moving to another village and she wasn't able to care for her family. So initially I'm like, you know, she declined a job. She must not be that desperate. So the pastor came in and fought for her. And so, okay, you know what? We're going to test, try it on your word. And that widow today, so this has been now two and a half years, that widow today owns a seed and spice shop, she owns a restaurant, and she's launching a hotel. If you'd like to hear more, please check out the book that I wrote called Signs of a New Kingdom by Ross Boone. And um, you can also check out the interviews on the page on my website for uh, under books, under the book... So click on books and click on Signs of a New Kingdom or click on the link below.